16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. From New York City, the only city in America, it's the show that invented news. This is The Daily Show with your host, Ronnie J. hosting for one day only dreams do come true i just want to thank the network for believing in me for 23 minutes only (laughs) we've got a great show for you tonight so let's get into the headlines uh let's start with the big news we're apparently close to a truce in the middle east that's right i accomplished what no other daily show host could Sure, maybe if you gave me the job permanently, I could solve this, but for now, here's what you get. This morning, a breakthrough in the hostage negotiations is closer than it's ever been, US officials say. Multiple news reports quoting Hamas and Israeli officials are this morning outlining a possible deal. A multi-day ceasefire with at least 50 Israeli and international hostages freed in waves with more to follow, and Palestinians detained in Israel, women and children released in exchange. Yes, some good news. I mean, it's not great news, but it's the Middle East, so we'll take it. But that's right, Israel and Hamas are close to a temporary truce. Israel will start bombing for a few days, and Hamas will release some of the hostages, specifically women, children, and one guy who is just really, really annoying. This guy won't shut the f- about his podcast. Get him out of here. <laughs> Still, for all the hostages who are being released, uh, I just want to say congratulations, and I want to prepare you. Andre 3000 has a flute album now. <laughs> but uh, let's stop talking about the war and start talking about something else that could destroy the world. Artificial intelligence. Yeah. And I know everyone has been freaking out about this new technology, but don't worry, the people in charge of it obviously have everything under control. This morning, an open revolt inside OpenAI, the company behind the groundbreaking artificial intelligence chatbot known as ChatGPT. Just days after the company's board of directors fired its CEO, Sam Altman, claiming he had not been candid in communications with them. 725 out of the approximately 770 employees signing a letter attacking the board's competence and threatening to quit if Altman is not reinstated. 
Wow, the CEO of OpenAI got fired and all the employees threatened to go with him. I mean, these startups are such cults. Who cares that much about their boss? I mean, Trevor quit right in front of me and I didn't do shit. I was like, all right, man, I'll see you later. You're not supposed to care about your boss, okay? No busboy at Red Lobster is committing seppuku because that manager got canned. Asian references. That's what I'm here for. I mean, it's also ironic that the people creating technology that's going to destroy everyone's jobs are also fighting so hard to save one guy's job. It's like seeing Ted Bundy perform CPR. Also, the world's top AI company is not the place you want to hear that people are fighting over philosophical differences. The stakes are too high, all right? It's fine when Ben and Jerry fight. I mean, worst case scenario, I get raisins in my chunky monkey, okay? <laughs> With AI, it's more like, hey, am I going to have a robot sex slave or am I going to be the robot sex slave? <laughs> I mean, just to be clear, I'm cool with either one. <laughs> I just want to know. The crazy thing is, we still don't know why they fired him. I mean, my working theory is that humans from the future resistance came back in time to fire this guy before he could destroy the world. <laughs> Schwarzenegger shows up like, you are terminated. Put your things in this box. It's always tough to do this during the holidays. <laughs> and finally, let's talk about Thanksgiving, which I still can't believe is a real holiday. I asked someone what happens on Thanksgiving, and he said, uh, well, we all get together and eat. And I was like, so it's dinner. <laughs> and it is. Thanksgiving is when Americans clog up airports and their arteries. But maybe this year, times are changing. This morning, with Thanksgiving just days away, the new wave of prescription weight loss medications are altering how many will approach their holiday eating. With the average American consuming more than twice their recommended daily calories on a typical Thanksgiving day, drugs like Ozempic, Wegovy, and Munjaro can be a game changer for those battling with obesity. Doctors suggest if you're taking these medications, be prepared to manage your feasting expectations. They enable people to have a couple of bites and then say, eh, I don't need to eat a large portion of this. That was enough. This is the most American story ever. <laughs> Big Pharma created a drug to help Americans eat less. And now they're having anxiety over what they're going to do on the eating holiday. <laughs> Although I will say, Ozempic is great for people whose parents can't cook, okay? I mean, no, mom, I'm not hungry because uh, of the Ozempic. Uh, it, it's not because your dry turkey tastes like shit. And it's good when you can get past the binge eating and focus on the real meaning of Thanksgiving. Friends, family, and remembering the time the pilgrims and the Native Americans shared a meal and watched the Super Bowl, and nothing bad ever happened after that, ever. <laughs> for more on this Ozempic Thanksgiving, let's go live to Michael Costa. Michael, how will Ozempic affect Thanksgiving this year? Well, it, it definitely comes with its own problems. If everyone in the family is eating less, that means most of the food is going to waste, unless you take it to the homeless shelter. But come on, that's like a 20-minute drive. Okay. <laughs> okay, but I mean, I guess the family could just make less food. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not go that far, okay? There's actually a much better solution. 
gluttonol. It's, it's a new drug that dramatically increases your appetite during the 24 hours of Thanksgiving. You inject Ozempic into your thigh, you inject gluttonol into your neck, and boom, you're deep-throating Aunt Karen's fingerlings all night long. Yeah, uh, okay, but um, is, isn't that gonna f up your metabolism? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> if only there was a drug that could fix that. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's called Compoxo. <laughs> you pop a couple of these pills up your butt and your metabolism is evened out for the day. Okay, okay, oh, hold on, hold on, Costa. You're, you're, you're putting these drugs up your butt at Thanksgiving table? Won't that weird out your family? Oh, oh it will, which is why you'll have to drug your family. <laughs> Introducing Happy Narol. It, it sends everyone's oxytocin levels through the roof. Just slip a tablespoon of this in the gravy boat and let the hugging begin. Okay, wait, isn't oxytocin the hormone that makes people horny? Yes, yeah, a, a family orgy is a possible side effect. <laughs> Which is why you need Demerolin. Just put a few drops in your eyes and voila, you're as flaccid and dry as grandma's brisket. Now, you do have to take it at the same time as the butt pills, otherwise you'll die. Okay, okay. Costa, stop, okay, this is dumb. Instead of people taking all these drugs, uh, uh, why can't they just not eat as much? Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry that some of us need a little help to eat less and then eat more and then talk to our family without having sex with them. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, okay? I, I, I guess I just wish there was a way people could enjoy life without putting drugs in their veins and up their butts. <laughs> well, there is, Ronnie. Introducing cocaine. Okay, okay, cocaine okay. is one of the... Enough, enough, Michael Costa, everyone. Save some for me. All right, when we come back, we'll find out how Donald Trump manages all his court gates, so don't go away. Sixteenth Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take the dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. the only man who's seen more court time than LeBron, Donald Trump. 
Yesterday, his lawyers asked the court to release him from a gag order so he can call the judge a fat Mexican or something. <laughs> but that's just one of his four billion court cases. And you might be wondering, how is Trump able to juggle all these court appointments and run for president at the same time? Luckily, we found the guy who helps him do it. Donald Trump has another court date on the calendar after pleading not guilty for the third time in four months. God damn it. Going to use this another lawsuit? <laughs> My name is Barnaby Dirk, and I am Donald Trump's official scheduler. And I want to die. I have a color-coded system that falls apart every 10 minutes, but red is for state court prep, blue is for federal court cases, yellow is New York City court cases, purple is for time he spends with his kids, but I also use it for uh, fraud charge cases because uh, they basically overlap. Then each morning, I input a daily schedule into a common electoral monthly calendar from the 90s, so uh, President Trump actually reads it. Please don't ask me about the ketchup stains. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, we can put a deposition on the books. Um, but could you just please remind me, what day comes between Tuesday and Wednesday? Oh, really? Well, then I guess we'll have to invent one to fit it in, won't we, you f***ing asshole? <laughs> I've kept schedules for CEOs, Titans of Industry, that Nexium guy. It's never been a problem, no matter how much they get sued or how many secret families they have. But this is like nothing I've done before. Sometimes I have to get creative about scheduling two things at once. Like one time, Mr. Trump had a round of golf that he refused to cancel. But he also had to bury his ex-wife, Ivana. So I figured out how to have him at both places at once. There are reports that Ivana will be buried in New Jersey on the grounds of the Trump National Golf Course in Bedminster. I want a golden calendar for that. It's my profession's top award. As you can see, sometimes I have to schedule down to the minute. Um, when he's going for the court case, bathroom breaks, when he comes out, when he stands outside and goes on a rant about how the stenographer is rigging a case or that the clerk really wants to bone him or something. I haven't left this building in six months. I pretty much live on Logan Paul's energy drink and Don Jr's leftover Coke. I think I have kids. Do I have kids? I don't remember. But I dream about the day when there's nothing left to schedule. I did it. I scheduled it all. A former President Trump now has another court date. I'm Doug Luzader in Washington. We'll have more. No! God damn it! John Oliver will be joining me on the show, so don't go away! <laughs> 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress 
Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized an already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a former failed correspondent at The Daily Show. He's done nothing since then. Please welcome Mr. John Oliver. We get it. Enough already. <laughs> Enough. I, I agree with you more than I agree with them. <laughs> well, well, well. Look well, who's come crawling back. Yes. Where yes. it all started. I know. It's pretty weird to be back. I do not like being in that guest room at all. Oh, really? <laughs> that was the one room where I worked here you were not allowed to go in, and I don't like being in it now. It really feels like you I'm ne- doing something wrong by being inside yeah. it. You never, you never snuck in to see a guest? No. No, 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 no. No, and we were, ne- we were never allowed to really be in there because it had to be kept nice for the guests. Yeah. <laughs> and it never really occurred to me one day I might be that, and I still don't feel So I, I put my bag in there and then stood in the corridor for the rest of the <laughs> I don't want to be in there at all. Yeah, but this place brings back so many memories. You were here. You were in this building. We've I was very the, much in this yeah, building. Yeah, I was, this, was, this was the reason I came to America. Yep. Uh, and the, I was here for eight years. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, that's why... That's why I was so happy you came on, because we people don't know by looking at us, but we actually have very similar yeah. backgrounds, because yes. we both joined the show. I moved to America to do the show, just mm-hmm. like you. And yes. when I first joined the show, you know, the, the Daily Show alumni network is so strong, <laughs> yeah. I asked to meet up with yeah. Mr. Oliver. You came to the office. Yeah, and I, I thought Mr. this... Mr. Oliver. And I, yeah. <laughs> he was Mr. Oliver. I was like, there's no way this guy's going to let me meet up with him. And you were like, no, come, come before work. There's can... nothing, there nothing I like more than talking to people who have questions about how to make field pieces. Yeah. Because it's, the, or it's, the, it's such a narrow set of skills. Yes. And all, you had, all of your questions were great. That was, I remember you leaving and thinking, oh, you're going to be fine. Even though you don't have the answers yet, all your questions are right, so you're going to be fine. Oh, you do right. not have a problem. Oh, I, say, okay. I will say, before... Before we make it too sincere, you do have that unique skill set of not minding being a dick to people. And that really, it, at the end, that is the secret sauce. Well, that, that's, that is the, I mean, you know, you have to really not care to do satire sometimes. And yes. everyone's like, people, I don't think people know how much you don't give a f- Yes. Like, that's you right. truly don't give a f- no, you, you, you will go hard. In the marrow of my bones, sometimes yeah. when our lawyers say they're going to be upset, you go, I'm not having a physical reaction to that at all. Yes. It is of no concern to me yeah. whether the Sackler family are mad with me or not. <laughs> yeah. To you, be honest, I'm a little bit... There's a tingle of happiness. 
yeah, yeah. but that's what kind of what you need to yes, do. Yes, definitely. It. Yeah, yeah. I, you yeah. like the feeling. That I, I like the feeling of trouble. Right? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. In comedy, it's because I'm, I'm probably a natural coward in many ways. But when it comes to comedy, I do like the feeling of being in. Real trouble. Yeah, it's weird. You yeah. talked about it. you said pushing the button. Yeah, you said exactly, you just yeah. put button. You just got to push yeah, it exactly. because I mean, I, you know. And and what was interesting was when I went met with you. This is how much you don't give a. F you made me come to your office at 8 a.m. First of yes. all, which is yeah, which is extremely early for comedians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wake that up, is but. true. That <laughs> is that's the amazing thing about doing jobs like this. Now. Yeah. When you get into comedy, it's not generally thinking that you will see a human being's breakfast time. No, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. right. You came you came very early. You looked yeah. bright and early. You showered. I, I had showered. no complaints. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I came and I, t I talked to uh, and I had very specific questions. And one thing you told me, I've been using this in my podcast rounds. I don't know if you've, if it's come back to you, but like. Um, uh, well, you told me it took you two years yeah. to relearn how to do comedy in America. I think that's probably true. You were yeah. spot on to yeah. the day, by the yeah. way. I was, in hindsight, I was like, oh my God. Because I remember there was a day I was in New York City gigging at some comedy club, and it, it was two years in, literally almost to the day. And I remember things just starting to click a little bit. Yeah of like relearning how to do comedy. Because again, like you, like me, we were doing comedy outside of America yes. before we even came here. Yeah, and so I think the outsider perspective in comedy always works. The thing with being an immigrant here is you kind of have to learn the exact ways that your outsider perspective can translate. Yeah. So you kind of have to learn basically how that can work. And once it does, you're fine. But until that point, it does feel a little bit like uncharted waters. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like, um, you know, you can come here and you can joke about uh, America on a very surface level, and you can, you can, and that will do well for you for, you know, if you have a 15-minute set, maybe 30-minute set. Yeah. But I feel like after nine months or a year in America, the audience can kind of smell the bullshit of like, mm -hmm. of like, you've been here long enough. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, guns that's shouldn't true. be weird yeah, to you. That's right. So, so really, what, when that, the, the, the prof how profound your two-year thing was, like, it takes two years to learn the nuances of America so you can make fun of them in ways which... Yes, exactly. They appreciate. Exactly. Like, don't tell us we have guns. We know yeah. we have guns. Yes. Tell us something else. <laughs> we, yeah. we dev if we know nothing else about ourselves, it's that yeah. we have guns to a genuinely problematic extent. Right. That is not a fresh insight. <laughs> we genuinely know. Yeah, yes, exactly. So, so you were, like, going deeper, deeper and deeper into it, which, you know, uh, that, that, that was my guiding light as well when I first oh, started. I'm so here. glad. Yeah. My incredibly insightful advice of wait 24 months yeah. Worked. <laughs> it was like a charm. I still can't believe it. I just deep down didn't want to hear from you again for two years. Like, that's all it was. Yeah. Come back, come back with the same question in two yeah, years, yeah. and then we'll talk. Yeah, you're smart. Yeah. And uh, I wonder, like, um, do you feel like uh, satire in 2023? Is that you know, we, you've been at the show, you, you've seen the Daily Show kind of evolve over a lot of times. And when you joined the show, I don't, there wasn't anyone else doing it. Kind of. There wasn't TikTok. There wasn't Instagram. Oh no, there wasn't those things. Right. There, yeah. So, so it wasn't a bunch of you know, like f***ing assholes on, on talking about you know, like trying to do satire but f***ing it up all the time, and and so. <laughs> what? Sorry. Now, now I'm just attacking a bunch of people on. No, I think you're now attacking the entire population of TikTok for yeah. trying. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, I'm down. I got, I'm hosting for one day. Come at me, TikTok. Yeah. I, I was distracted. But Shirt. Oh, yeah. If you have a monogram shirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very fancy shirt, right? Oh yeah, yeah. This one is um uh we I got this shirt um made in New York City Chinatown. Wow. And he, 
No, he's a girl. He's a legit tailor. And then he asked me if I wanted my Chinese name uh, embroidered on it. That's I was like, go for it. And then now it just looks nice. like a mustard stain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like a, my son. It does look all. a little yeah. bit like yeah. a mustard stain. It's a very stylish mustard stain. Yeah, yeah, did you guys get fancy suits when you. No, we got no suits. We got, I cannot, we, we were not given any. I'd never owned a Check suit. Check out this boomer. <laughs> Coming on the Daily Show, telling us how good we have it now. You really camera. do. We didn't have a desk. We had to buy. We didn't have cameras. We had to go. I had to go. I had to go to a place to buy a suit. And doing field pieces, you wreck them all the time. For years here, yeah. we did not. There's nothing that made ex correspondents more angry than hearing that we got free suits when we did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that was the thing that bothered them the most. Right. It was no, no, you should have to go into the hole every year just to get a, a presentable suit. Now look at you, you're well, all yeah. spiffy. Now they, they, did the show pay for that? Yeah, the show. Oh, f- this, <laughs> did, they put monograms? They, you get monogram shirts now? Uh, yeah, well, you know. We... Comedy Central has changed. I know things are a little choppy here, but yeah. monogram shirts? No, I told them if they didn't monogram it, they were racist. And then they just did, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, Chinese, that's yeah, a move that I can't make. <laughs> Yeah, but like uh, that's the thing. Like we're both Im- immigrants in America, yeah. and um, do you ever? I guess my question to you is like, wh- wh- how do you answer the people who are like, if you don't like it here, leave? Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess they took it's a. I mean, it's a horrible point, but it's a fair question. <laughs> I guess now my answer would be, I'm a citizen. You can't do that. But I think. The tricky thing is, I felt ownership. It's very dangerous. A British person saying, I felt ownership of this country. Historically, (laughs) historically, does not go well. It's amazing. I just went to India and I felt like I belonged. I felt at home here long before my legal status was solid. That's the tricky thing as an immigrant. But the more I felt at home here, the more cognizant you are of the fact that it's not up to you whether or not you get to stay or not. Right. So it was a massive relief to get my green card yes, yeah. and an even bigger relief to get my citizenship. So, yeah, despite the fact immigrants tend to talk shit, yeah. it's generally the kind of way that you talk shit with someone you genuinely love. Sure. Also, as a, as a, as a comedian, I only really talk shit as a way of expressing love. Professionally. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't really know how to express myself right. sincerely. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I like you. I'm never going to say that. Yeah. F*** you, yeah. Ronnie. There you see. There you go. Yeah. That's it, but I was I was back on that other point. Like, do you feel there's a place for satire? Like, basically, the the the, the news is so crazy right now. Reality is sometimes matching up to the news. Sometimes in that environment, do you feel that satire is still possible? Like, you know, when you're doing a joke ironically, do you feel like people can get it that you're trying to ironically be the bad guy in some, you know? It, oh, I see. You mean like if you're doing Philpies? Because we used yeah. to play the bad guy in Philpies, yes. right? You would say things you did not mean just to embody an argument that you do not agree with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, in Philpies, that's the way that we would operate all the time. Uh, in general, um, I mean, our, our show's a little different. Like, mm. it, we're, we're not in the. Yeah, I'm not asking about your show. I'm asking about well, for me. <laughs> for this show, we get it. We don't you figured it out. I think, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about for me. Like, I think, when I... I think there's. I think there'll always be a place for satire. I mean, there was a place for it in. In Germany in the 30s, it didn't seem to work out that well over there, but they gave it a go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, no, I, th- I think there will always be, and I, unlike you, am happy for people online to try and do it as well. Ronnie no, really would I'm, like nobody to have a voice. Nobody. 
No. All about earn your voice, like me. I did. I had to f***ing get on the show to get a voice. You don't get a voice just because you're in your underwear That's on right. Instagram. Ro I don't... Ro Ro Ronnie regrets that gatekeepers have been removed from the yeah. process. Yeah. You really like the gates. I love the gatekeepers. Yeah, sure. yeah, it was so tough to come here. Right? Yeah. You know, it was really tough for me to come here. I, I like you, I also really wanted to come here. I w that, that is the thing. I, d I don't think Americans understand how rough the yes. U.S. immigration process yes. is. When they say come to people come in the right way, I don't think they realize how literally impossible that is <laughs> in some... Uh, in some aspects. Yeah. When, when I got my green card here, uh, they brought it to me in my office upstairs and uh, they gave me a Budweiser and an apple pie with a little American flag in it. And I think they were giving it as if, like, here's a joke, right? Yeah. Oh, you got it. You were always going to get it. Here it is. And I nearly cried. And to, uh, for a British person, nearly crying is crying. Yeah. That's as close as I can come. But I was so relieved because I was worried about it so much. Yeah. And so I think you, t you tend to find, like when we were yeah. talking before, exactly, when... When you find out someone just got their green card, you can kind of almost feel the relief yeah. coming off it because yeah. it's such a concern. It's not easy. It's not no, easy. No, it is not easy. Even don't even talk about the green card. Even the visa before the green card. It's incredibly it's hard. Called, it's called the extraordinary ability visa. Yes. You, yeah. you have to prove, yeah. first of all, that you have extraordinary ability, which I challenge anyone to do. <laughs> Unless it's you're so freaking an NBA player, seven foot, and then second of all, it's like if you don't constantly prove that you're, they can deport you. Yeah. Like if I have a bag segment on the Daily Show, I'm. That's right. Going, yeah. You did not demonstrate extraordinary yeah. ability. That was at median level yeah. ability. That is the worst thing about coming in on a visa is like occasionally they'll look at the visa and say, "What do you do?" Yeah. Because they're expecting a surgeon. Yeah. So <laughs> someone with a marketable skill. And the moment you say comedian, they're like, "That's this is not for you." Yeah. That's it's not, and, and also then if it's, oh, go tell me something funny, like, or what? Is this a fun bit? Yeah. Or is this the moment I get deported? Yeah, yeah. Do I need a joke on hand? To it demonstrates extraordinary ability yeah. in terms of word craft. Yeah. Yes, it's incredibly stressful so, in a way people don't understand. Yeah, so in a weird way, I'm with you in that, in that, like, in, um, immigrants to America who come here actually want to be here and have fought to be here and we're the ones who get shit done here. Yes. Because we had to f***ing prove it every I single would, time. That's yeah. right. Immigrants. Immigrants. That's right. We get the job done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... I would say, what is more quintessentially American than coming to a country you don't belong in and deciding you're going to stay? Yeah. <laughs> and at Thanksgiving of all times. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, we get it. You, you know, you, every interview I've researched you on, you've, you've professed your love for America. You're yeah. still here. Clearly, you still love it. Yeah. Okay, so can you shut the f*** up and be American for one minute instead of constantly complaining and talking like a f***ing foreigner all the time? I mean, I, 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 I challenge you. You, how, you challenge me to be American? Yes. And I want how, you to how would one I do that? I want you to eat this hot dog right now. Oh, boy. And then I want you to throw <laughs> this football. And first of all, you have to call it a football. Okay, I can't call, do that. Yeah, you gotta, I call it an American football. Okay, American I, I'll football. I'll call it an American and football. And you got to throw this to me. So you got to eat that first and you throw this to me. Okay, right? like, like, right. like this? No, no, you got to freaking oh, okay. throw a tight no, spiral. No, no, We're going to go over rugby. there. Okay, all right. So eat this first. We got this from a bodega. Oh, no. This is the way we... How hard can that be? All right, hang on, hang on. All right. Can we get a drum roll? Drum roll. For you? For you? Ready? Yeah. Good.
proved it. All right, we got, yeah, we got. This is last week tonight with John Oliver. As wherever you'll find it, who gives a f We'll take a. That's we'll, not how you throw to a We're going to take Ronnie. a quick break. We'll be right back after this. That's Thank not you, John Oliver. How do you Oliver. do it? You don't do it. Sixteenth Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take the dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's our show for tonight. But before we go, please consider supporting Asian and Pacific Islander American Vote, an organization dedicated to educating and empowering AAPI communities to build a culture of civic engagement. If you can, please donate to the link below. And stay tuned tomorrow when Jordan Klepper and Desi Lydic take over the desk. Explore more shows from The Daily Show Podcast Universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.